Happy, happy Thanksgiving. So good to see you. Welcome to church. Hey, thank you for your generosity. If some of you know, we did um, the month of November, we did Operation Christmas Child, and uh, you guys gave over 300 boxes of gifts to, to, to children. That We had a big party here on Saturday. A bunch of you showed up and helped with that, and thank you. And so we're shipping those out. And what we're doing now in December is for um, families in our community. So people that are linked to 116 Church or a part of 116 Church, you know, um, sometimes you don't have to be destitute just to kind of be in a hard spot. And maybe you don't have money this, this year for, for Christmas gifts for the kids. Or you, don't have, you don't have enough money to get a Christmas tree or put some food on the table or, or get the big turkey. And we would love to help. And there's a lot of people in our community that would love to help. And so get those gift cards and you can bring those and drop them off at the Connect Bar like Christiana was saying. And uh, that's awesome. It's one of the ways that we can give a little happiness. And thank you for being a part of that. I love this time of season, don't you? Come <laughs> on, man. If you can't feel happy now, all right, well, God will help us. I understand. I think after church today, we're going to feel happy. I'm glad that you're here. We are um, in the middle of a series. Actually, today will be the last part of a series that we started called With God. And um, I'm excited. I don't, I don't know how people do life without God, but I'm certainly thrilled that he, he's with us and we can be with him. And so we'll finish that out today. And, uh, and then, we'll, then we'll watch the Seahawks play, uh, potentially, you know. It doesn't really matter anymore. So weird to see myself. Oh yeah, stay with the stay with the far version, guys. Don't go close up on me. I don't got it like that. I do not have the close up. I don't have the close up facade. <laughs> Keep a distance. <laughs> um, who cares about the Seahawks? I love them, but I mean, I, do, I actually do love them. I love them, but we we can't even make the playoffs anymore. <laughs> Some of them go to our church. I know. I love them, babe. I'm just saying, we can't even make the playoffs. So I'll cheer for them. I hope you'll cheer for them, and um, it's gonna be a great day. I hope that you'll have fun with your your family. Can I give you permission? I don't know that I have the authority to do this, but if you'll grant me the authority, I'd like to grant you the permission to eat your body weight and food this Thanksgiving. You're welcome. So be it. Be blessed. (laughs) I have some friends that have been helping me like trim down over the last few weeks. And so I told them, I was like, hey, I'm taking I'm taking the week off for Thanksgiving. They're like, ah, I'm like, no, no, it's not a question. It is. I'm totally down to gain like eight to 10 pounds. I'll just lose it again. But so anyways, it's going to be wonderful. Um, Hey, we're doing baptisms coming up December 12th. If you want to be water baptized right here to my left, it's going to be fun. We'll do it during worship. So while we're kind of singing and we'll be up. The family can join and friends and we'll pray for you. If you want to be water baptized, you can sign up for that. Get information on what it means to be water baptized or why we get water baptized. And so Connect Bar in the lobby is your place to go or talk to anyone of the care pastors that are down here. It'd be wonderful. Sound good? All right, let's do this. If you have a Bible, go with me to the book of Genesis, first book in all of scripture, Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15. It's talking to everyone today, a bunch of people about what's your favorite thing for Thanksgiving. For me, it is the deep fried turkey because anything deep fried is better. (laughs) Also, you could die deep frying a turkey, which I love the adventure of the whole thing. So dangerous and delicious. That's Thanksgiving for me. Dangerous and delicious. It's going to be wonderful. I'm sorry. I'm so distracted thinking about Thanksgiving. 
Hey, if you know, maybe you don't know, um, so we do the first three Sundays of every month, so this is our last Sunday for November. Next Sunday, I hope you're with friends, I hope you're with family, I hope you sleep in, I hope you go to brunch, I hope you take a walk, I hope you watch your favorite movie. Um, that's church, by the way. God loves it when we rest, and so that's what we'll be doing next next Sunday, and then we'll be back here the first Sunday of December for those first three Sundays, and Christmas Eve, which put it on your calendar, 5.30. 5.30 on Christmas Eve, we're going to have a candlelight service here. It will be magical. And we only go an hour, so we'll go from 5.30 to 6.30. So you go out and do your Christmas Eve thing. You know what's nice about being here is Snowflake Lane, the most magical place in Bellevue, is just one block over. So I think our family, we're going we're gonna to do Christmas Eve and then walk over to Snowflake Lane, and it'll be wonderful. So don't you love Christmas and Thanksgiving? And if you don't, you're going to by the time we're done, man. Um, I'm going to read Genesis chapter 15 today. I'm super, super looking forward to talking to you out of this passage this morning. Um, it speaks to me, and I hope that it'll speak to you. I believe that it will. This is, um, this is Abraham before he was named Abraham. He's now Abram, and God will change his name. But this is, this is a covenant that God makes with him. It says this in Genesis 15. After this, word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. God said, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. So this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord. Abraham believed the Lord. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Let me read one more place for our reading this morning. Psalms chapter 30. I'm going to read it from the New King James Version. Psalmist writes, and this is David, King David. He says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you, and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave, and you have kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Can I say that again? For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I'm so excited to talk about this this morning. I'd like to um, title this talk, the last one of our series, With God, the Hurt Turns to Hope. With God, the Hurt Turns to Hope. Amen. Lord, we pray that you would be with us now. Thank you for speaking to us as only you can. Thank you for the hope that we have in you. In the name of Jesus and the person of Jesus, Lord, we thank you that you are the hope of the world. Even when the world seems to be going crazy, you're still the hope of the world. So we put our eyes on you, focus our attentions on you for these next few moments. Would you speak to us as only you can? Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your purpose. Thank you that you love us. Lord, help us to sense that and feel that. Lord, I pray that, Lord, as we we look to you, you would speak to us as only you can. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone said, amen. Have you gotten the Christmas cups yet from, uh, from the coffee place? It's tradition, guys. You got to do it. Are you listening to Christmas music yet? 
Okay. It's not too early. Wiley, how are you even a care pastor in this community, man? <laughs> I'm messing with you. Not really, though. We should have checked that. We should have checked that. <laughs> I start Christmas music on Halloween. Um, I'm going to be so distracted with the holidays the whole entire time this morning, so just you're maybe going to have to deal with that. Um, let me ask you this. Do you ever pretend like everything's okay when it's really not? <laughs> Do you? Come on, let's be honest for a second. Like, do you ever pretend like everything's fine when really it's not fine? The classic example is like when you fall down in public, correct? Like, if you've ever done it, I'm this guy. Maybe it's just me, but by the response, I think it's more of us. Like, you fall down in public, and if I'm by myself and I, like, take a tumble down these stairs, if I'm by myself, I will wail in pain. <laughs> I'm like, ah! I might say a few choice words, ask God to forgive me, you know, like, but if you're here, like, if I were to trip off this stage right now, I would jump up so quick, I could have shattered my knee, but I'm like, totally good. And I hate it when people make a big deal about it. When I, you know, like, oh, oh, are you okay? Ooh, you know, like, have you, and I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't, no, don't even, don't give it another thought. I could be literally broken in half, like going to have to be in surgery, but I'll be, I'll just be limping it off. You know, I'm like, I'm totally good. I'm so fine. It doesn't even hurt. I don't know why. Maybe because it's embarrassing. Maybe because we want to appear strong. I, okay. I have a friend in the NFL and he told me, this is a true story. He's like, when they get big hits, like the kind of hit that knocks you out, he's like, they're trained to just pop up. If they can't, if they physically can't, like if things are snapped, then they can't. But if they can pop up, they'll pop up. And watch this today when you're watching the game. He's like, and they just start walking. He's like, you just start walking. He's like, many times he doesn't even know where he's walking because he's so dazed. But he starts walking. And then as he's walking, he comes to. And then you'll see him kind of like turn around, you know, and they'll like, just act, they'll play it off. But what they're doing is they're trying to pretend like they're good even when they're not. Because they don't want people to sense weakness. They don't want the other team to be like, ooh, we got them. You know, they don't want you to feel that. So we do this in life all the time. Um, in movies, I tend to, if I'm watching a movie, I tend to get sometimes emotional if it's moving, and I'll cry. I'm not embarrassed about that. I mean, I am a little bit. And so what I'll do when I'm crying during a movie, like a Hallmark Christmas movie, like I'll try and play it off. And it's so hard because my wife just loves to catch me crying during the movies. And she's like, oh, Oh, baby, I'm here. You know, I don't want to be like, I know you're here. You know, and she's like, she's like, you're crying. I'm like, I'm not crying. You're crying. You know, like, I, I don't want you to know. I want to pretend like I'm tough, like I'm good. Have you ever had a coughing fit? You know, where you just kind of like start coughing, like you ate popcorn and then you can't get control of it and you're at dinner. This happened to me at dinner and uh, like you're coughing so profusely and you're trying to drink water and you're trying to, and everyone's, everyone's trying to carry on the conversation. You know, but you're just, <coughs> you're like, I'm good. I'm good. Your eyes are watering, but you refuse to admit. And they're like, are, are, are you okay? You know, like, no, we don't want to admit it. We, it's, I don't know if it's human nature. I don't know if it's just me, but we pretend like we're okay, even when we're not. Um, like that one time you asked that person out on a date. <laughs> you're like, hey, I don't know what you're doing Friday night. Should we go out? And they're like, oh, yeah, I, I can't. And you were all like, oh, that's totally cool. Because <laughs> I didn't even really want to. I mean, I was just kind of out of sympathy. I thought probably you're alone. <laughs> you know, like, I don't even want to go out there. I mean, I'm not even dating. You know, because we don't want to be hurt. I once was in a restaurant. True story. Now it's coming to me. Um, I was in a restaurant, speaking of choking. And I ate a piece of chicken. And for the life of me, this is the only time this ever happened to me. I could, it like, it got wedged. Now, it was probably a very large piece of chicken. But it. Like, and it hit me for a second. I'm like, I can't breathe. Now I'm with friends. I'm with family. But my go-to instinct is not to ask for help. My go-to instinct is to act like I'm good. So for probably about a good 15 seconds, I'm like, 
and breathe. So I went to drink some like water. And because my, my throat was completely closed off, when I put the water in, it just, it just it spat out, right? So at this point, my wife's like, what's happening? And I don't, I don't do the universal choke sign. I don't like, mm, mm. I, just, I just get up you know, and go outside. I'm literally running away from the people who could save me. I remember doing this. This is in Atlanta. I go outside. I don't want to do. I'm going to die alone out there. I can't breathe. I'm completely choking. So I get outside all by myself. My wife's like, what just happened? You know, and like everyone who can help me, I went away because I don't want them to know. I'm not thinking I don't want to die. I'm thinking I don't want them to know I'm about to die. <laughs> and I found some kind of embankment out there and I literally heimlicked myself. I did. And I bruised myself, but it, it worked. I just threw myself in to, to a car and it came out and I saved my life. Um, why? Why do we do this? Think about it. You do it. We pretend we're okay when really we're not. I mean, this happens in church on Sunday mornings every time we walk in the building. Hey, man, how you doing? How was your week? Good. Blessed and highly favored. Oh, brother. Oh, sister. You know what I'm saying? Now, I appreciate the fact that sometimes when I'm like, hey, how's your week? That you're not like, you got 20 minutes. It's like, no, <laughs> I was honestly just trying to be kind and polite. So there's a time and a place to kind of dive into that. But aren't we good at that as Christians? Aren't we good? Like, you know, oh, all good, all good. It could be the worst week of your life. And I won't even be like, ah, pray for me. I'm like, ah, so good. God's good. You know, because we want to pretend like, okay, here's, here's what makes me so happy when I read this passage. Abram's response to God is the most refreshing refreshing thing I find in the New Testament. First of all, we don't have to pretend we're okay with God. You don't have to. In fact, you shouldn't. You don't have to pretend to put on your good Christian face with God. You could just be honest. I love the honesty of Abram in scripture. Look at it. Verse verse two. I'm gonna read the new, the new living translation. Abram says this when God says, Abram, I am your reward and I am your shield. Look what Abram says. Look what he says. What good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? (laughs) Oh man. Like, first of all, I'm shocked and notice that God doesn't smite him for that statement. God's like, I'm going to bless you. And he's like, what good are your blessings when I don't have a son? God doesn't smite him. Cause here's the thing. God can handle our complaints. Oh, there is a way to complain right. Have you, did you, I kind of grew up like in a, in, a, in a society, not my family necessarily, but certainly in a church culture where we don't complain. Um, it was very, very rare to see a pastor or any type of person who'd been following Jesus to ever admit weakness or error or fault. Or, you know, we always like, I had friends that would break limbs, break limbs. And I'd be like, your foot's broken. I'm like, don't say it. I'm like, what? Like, don't confess it. I'm like, hold on, but it snapped. I see the bone. Don't say it. You know, and it's and I understand a little bit, but can I just set the record straight? God can handle your complaints. If there's anywhere to complain, you can complain to God. That's the right way to complain. So Abram says, What good are your blessings? God goes, I want to bless you, Abram. He's like, What good are all your blessings when what I really want? What I really need is a son, and I don't have one. I love that. Look, Psalms 142. Let me read this for you. This, is, this was David in the scripture. He says, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him and declare before him my trouble. It's biblical. God doesn't get mad at Abram. 
He doesn't rebuke Abram. Abram gets honest with God. I don't know if there's anything maybe you can get out of church this morning. If you, if you miss everything else I say, could you please remember that you could be honest with God? You can't fool him, by the way. Like I used to say this when I was a youth pastor like to kids. Like, hey, I know you can fool mom and dad because they got no clue what's going on. <laughs> and now I am mom and dad. And I'm like, hmm, I kind of wish, think I have a little clue. You can maybe fool your spouse. You can certainly fool your boss. We can fool each other. You can't fool God. So you could just be honest with him because he can handle our complaints. Okay, look how God responds to Abraham's complaint. Verse 5 in our passage. So Abraham says, what good are all your blessings, Lord? You don't even give me a son. And look what, look what God says to him. Verse 5, he says, he, says he, he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. I want to just take a moment to see what God says here. Instead of inflicting punishment on Abram when he complains, God gives him perspective. Did you know that? God is way more interested in giving us the right perspective than he is in punishing us for our complaints. That man, that should liberate you in your walk with Jesus. Uh, You don't have to fake it. You don't have to pretend like it's all good. In fact, when you get honest with God, which is the first place to get, if you can't be honest with God, who could you be honest with? When you get honest with God, no matter how painful it is, no matter how, no matter how rough it is the way you convey it to God, like even Abram be like, what good are your blessings? When you get honest with God, he will immediately begin to shift and change your perspective. Look what it says. It says he took him outside. He took him outside. He moved him from where he was. Sometimes God has to take us outside of what we know so we can see what he has in store for us. It's not always necessarily about the moving. We get so, we get so, when our world shakes and gets moved and gets all discombobulated, we get so caught up in that. Do you realize that many times it's not even about that? It's about God getting you to a place where you can see what he wants you to see. And we're so focused on, oh, he changed this and he moved me here. God is trying to show Abram something way bigger than himself. He says he took him outside Outside of your box, outside of, what is, what is outside for you and me? It's anything that's normal and comfortable. I don't know about you, but I strive for normalcy. Is that a word? Okay, it's clearly not. Thank you for the laugh. <laughs> for being normal. I strive to be normal. Not, not like normal, but like I want normal in my life. Like I come down, I want the coffee brewed. So I said it the night before. I come down, I want the lights to be. I like, I, I like things to kind of be normal. And sometimes God has to just come in and interrupt our normal because he wants to show us something that we can't see where we are. Look what he says next. When he gets him outside, the first thing God says is look up to the heavens. Look up. Look up. Now when Abram was in his house or his tent, wherever it was, he could look up, but his, his vision was limited. But when he got him outside, outside of what's normal, can you relate? Has God moved you someplace? Do you feel like you're out of a comfort zone, out of something that you've been striving for and you feel out there all on your own? Look up. Maybe God's trying to show you something that you had never seen before. Look up, um, which is, leads me to a good question. Where are you looking, by the way? Like, what are you looking to? Are you looking to other people's opinions? Are you looking to social media's opinion? Dear Lord, good luck with that one, by the way. Are you looking to your newsfeed? Are you looking to politics? Are you looking to popular opinion? Are you looking to yourself and your own ability to handle what you're in? Or are you looking to something bigger 
than yourselves. Abram complains to God and God begins to change his perspective. He takes him outside and he says, look up. And then he says this, which I love. He says, count the stars if you can. What this means is you can't. That's what Jesus, that's what God was saying. Would he, if I were to translate for God, he would be like, you can't count the stars. He's like, count them if you can. He's making a point. He is showing Abraham what he can't do so that Abram can see what God can do. Wow. Oh, do you know how many times we limit ourselves based on what we can do? Like, that's it. I can only do what I can do. And I get that for like stress levels. But so many times we're like, this is all I can do. And God is showing Abraham what he can't do. Count those. The millions and millions. And he's like, I can't. That's right, because I can and you can't. And I think one of the things God does for us, and if we don't fight it, and what he's doing with Abram, is like, listen, here's what you can't do. You clear? Now look what I can do. And we limit ourselves based on what I can do. Well, I, I can do this and I can do that. But imagine if we were just like, well, God, I can't. Like Abram couldn't give himself a son. He was past the age. His wife, Sarah, was past the age. It was a done deal in Abram's mind. He's like, I'll never have this. And that's exactly when God shows up. Sometimes I get, I get super excited when the door is completely closed and there is no solution. Because at that point, you know the only solution is a God solution. Have you ever been so ca caught in a hard space where you're like, I just, I have no more answers. I can't figure this out. There's nothing more I can do. That's actually a pretty great place to be. It's disconcerting. No doubt it makes us feel stressed and we could lose our peace. But if you could see that God is bigger and you could let your perspective shift for a second, that's exactly where we maybe want to be. Because that's what God's like, now it's my turn. God shows Abram what he can't do so that Abram can see what God can't do. And all of this started with Abram simply being honest with God. Um, he already knows what you're, what you're struggling with. He already knows what has you hurt. He already knows the pain you're going through. So, so you, you can just go ahead and be honest with him because he, we're not hiding anything from God, right? Like we're not hiding anything from him. He, he knows it. The pain the way the hurt and the betrayal and the vice, what it made you feel and do, he knows that. So the only way to begin healing is to get honest with God, which a lot of times is just kind of like being honest with ourselves. Just be honest with God. You're not going to surprise him. In fact, so many times I wonder why we aren't honest with God, like we try and hide things from God as if we could, because God is actually the answer to our problem. He's the solution to what you're going through. He is the remedy to the hurt and the pain you find yourself in. God's the answer. So why would you hide? Well, we hide because we have a wrong view of God. We see God as like a mean kid with a magnifying glass standing over an anthill being like, mess up, see what happens. It's like me with my dog. Every time he barks and I grab a pillow, I'm like, do it one more time. See what happens. <laughs> That's not God. That's not God. God's not mad at us. God's not angry. God's not vindictive. God is God. He doesn't think the way we think. He doesn't operate the way we operate. So when we pour out our complaints to God, when we're honest with God about where we are with the addiction, with the relationship, with the struggles, with the hatred, with the jealousy, with the insecurity, when I'm honest with God, and he already knew, now God can begin to begin to change my perspective. And he can say, let's step outside, look up, count 
the stars. Look what I have for you. Here's what I want to do with the remaining time that we have. I want to break down. I want to remind us of two truths that we take out of this package, out of this passage. Just two. I think in church and in scripture, sometimes we can have divine revelation or we can have divine reminders. Both, in my opinion, are equally the same. I love it when I come to church, I'll read scripture, and all of a sudden it's like something I never saw before. It's like a revelation, pops out, just like gives me life. That's awesome. If you get that today, awesome. You know what's just as powerful? It's a divine reminder. I knew it, but I forgot it. I know this truth, but life got so busy and things got so hectic and everything got so heavy that I kind of lost track of it. So can I just... For some of us, it'll be revelation. For some of us, it'll be reminded. But can I give us two truths that we find in the scripture? Here's what they are. Number one, God is good and great. God is good and great. So you're like, I know that. Reminder. That's what I said right before we did this. Remember? It's a reminder. God is good and great. Secondly, the hurt is temporary. These are two truths that we find in scripture, we find in this passage. God is good and great, and the hurt is temporary. God is good and God is great. It's not, it's not synonyms. As my kid used to say, it's not synonyms. <laughs> that doesn't mean the same thing. Good and great is not synonymous in scripture. Um, God is both. He's good for us and to us. And he's great. He's omnipotent. God is so good. Okay, look what he says in verse one of this passage. He says to Abram, don't be afraid. I'm your shield and your very great reward. God doesn't just bless us. He protects us. God doesn't just provide for us greatly. He protects the provision that he gives us. It's one thing to be blessed. It's another thing to have what you've been blessed with protected. It's one thing to have that person that you thought you'd never lose, that you'd never meet, the person of your dreams, walk through the church doors, which is where it typically happens, single people. They walk through the church doors. So keep coming to church. <laughs> yeah. like that's how we get you here. That's true. That's where I met my wife. That's where many of us met our, our spouses, right? Like it's one thing for God to bring them into the room. Then it's another thing for God to protect that relationship through the years. Oh, man, you talk about a blessing. So good. I would take either or, but with God, he says, I'm your shield and your reward. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make sure that no one takes it from you. And I'm going to make sure that it lasts. He's our shield and our very great reward. God is so good. And what God has for you is so much better than anything the world could ever offer. Now, you might not believe that, but do you know the context of Genesis 15? It comes from Genesis 14. After, actually, verse 1, it starts with after this. So whenever you see that anywhere, not just in the Bible, when it says after this, you should ask, what was before this that made God say, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to be your shield and your very great reward? Well, it was just in Genesis 14, it was the king of Sodom, who's a very evil man in a very evil nation, Sodom and Gomorrah, if you've ever read the Bible. The king of Sodom was offering Abram pay. He was offering him, um, he was offering him goods and money. And Abram refused it. And he wasn't mad at Sodom. He didn't, he didn't judge the man. He just said, hey, do what you do, but I will not receive it. Abram refused to take what the world offered so that he could have what God would offer. That, that's the context of this. Abram somehow knew that this was good. This was riches. This was glory. This was some of the things I wanted. This would help me provide for this, this, and this. But he knew that what God would offer would be way better. 
And God surely in chapter 15 says, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. God's goodness will always be greater than life's hardships. Always. Always. His goodness will always be greater than life's hardships. Now, I don't say that lightly because life has some hardships, doesn't it? Some of you might be going through it right now. I remember, and you've heard, and I won't tell you the story, but when my father died of cancer when I was young, 26, and I remember believing and that, and when he died, I regret to say that my faith died too. It shouldn't have. And I would have thought I would have, that my faith would have lasted through those moments. But for nine months to a year, I lost my faith. I hated God. Um, and I didn't realize that that would happen. And God would be gracious and he would pull me through and he would help my family and he would help me and he would restore me and he would renew my love for him. And it was a miracle. It was a miracle of my life. And I'll never forget two years kind of after that event, I was sitting with a mentor and we were talking about what happened there. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, Billy, the problem was during that time, and you couldn't see, is that your faith was in your faith, not in God's goodness. What he was saying is my faith was in my ability to believe that God could, not in God's goodness no matter what. And so here's what happened. Because I had faith to believe, and we did. I stood at my father's funeral. His, his casket was right here. And I literally, in my mind, in my mind, was like, He's going to sit up. It's going to be crazy. People going to get scared, but he's going to sit up. I believed. And when what I believed didn't happen, my faith died with it. I'll never forget my faith died with my dad. Instead of learning for our faith to be based in God's goodness, no matter what. Life is hard, but God is way better. His goodness is greater than the hardships of life. I would experience that later on. My daughter would be born with a congenital brain defect, and she's perfect now. She has, it was only as an infant, and she, she, she could have died. She should have certainly been dis, disabled and all of that. And I remember dealing and getting the news with that. And I remember them having to do brain surgery. And I remember being in the operating room and holding her and realizing, like, this could, this could be it. And instead of being bitter at God, and my faith being in the fact that God might save my baby girl, I was grateful. And it was only by God's grace that we had this moment together. And I remember saying as I stood there with my daughter, God, no matter what happens, you're good. So if this is all I get with her, I'll take it. And then I know she'll be with you and she'll be happy. And it changed everything. And God miraculously healed her. And I'm so grateful for that every day. But it's so different when our faith is in his His goodness. Remind yourself that God is good. When you are in the hardest moments, do it all the time, but especially in the hardest moments. Are you going through a hard time? I have a remedy for you. Remind yourself that God is good. Even when life is bad, God is good. I remember when Jennifer was had a heart surgery at 20, 22 years of age and she almost died and God helped the surgeons and she was miraculously and she lived and for six months she couldn't move or lift her head and we did all that and I fed her and it was, and God got us through it all and I'll never forget, we were so grateful at the miracle that had happened and then the medical bills came. I'll never forget 130 something thousand dollars after insurance. What is insurance even for? If you're in the insurance industry, I love you. God bless you. Figure it out. (laughs) 
do the right thing. I'm sorry. I'm, I remember being like, I could never, never. I mean, we were going to be in debt for the rest of our lives. And I don't, if 130000 is nothing to you, it is certainly something to me. And it definitely was when I was 23. I went to go pay the bills. And they told us, oh, I'm sorry. It's anonymously paid in full. God is good. Remind yourself that God is good. Like he's good. He's, he's good. He works on our behalf. He saved my baby girl. Like when you're going through those moments, just think back. You're like, I don't have much good. You have some good. You're breathing. You have some good. There's someone who loves you. You know someone. You had a decent meal the other night. I had a great steak yesterday. That's good. God's good. You know, like remind yourself that God, he's good. He did it then. He could do it again. Okay, can I give you a verse? This is, this is a life hack in scripture. Proverbs 23, 7. You want a life hack? Here's a life hack. You know what a life hack is? I don't know. All the kids do it these days. It's like, you know, you, you figure out something. I can't even think of one off the top of my head, but it's a life hack. This is going to help you in life. Look what Proverbs 23 says. It says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As I think in my heart, so am I. So if I convince my heart and folks that God is good. He's always been good. He'll always be good. Something will change inside of you. It will, it will begin to actually come out of you. You won't be perfect. You're going to mess up every now and then. You're going to have bad days and good days. But if I can begin to focus my thoughts on God, so good. Not just good, but he is so good. It will, I, I, will become, I will begin to live that way. And things that used to bother me won't bother me. Why? Because God is good. And things I used to lose my peace over, I won't lose my peace over. Why? Because God is good. And things that used to cause me to go into depression, I might cry for a moment, but I don't go to depression. Why? Because God is good. Focus on the goodness of God and his greatness because God just isn't good. God is great. Um, He says to Abraham, look up and count the stars if you can. Oh man, how great is God? First of all, he put all those stars there. The millions and millions, is it billions? I don't even know. The Bible says that he names them. He names the stars. One year for my birthday, my wife, was I think it was my wife, she bought me a, or maybe it was my brother, I can't remember. Kind of weird if it was my brother. It was you, right? Yeah. She bought me a star. I didn't know you could do that. I think they're like 100 bucks a piece. But I have a star up there, and we named it. And I thought, like, we didn't really name it because God already had a name for it. He names all the stars. Uh, but Mana was sharing last Sunday. It, it just got me so good. He's like, God doesn't just know the number of hairs you have on your heads. Like, you know, I, I'll say a lot, like God counts the hairs on our heads, which for some of us, it's a lot less. Jay Martin and I, right? <laughs> he doesn't just know, he numbers them. Think about that. But Mana, that got me so good. So like when this hair falls, God's like, that's number 6,754. Just fell. <laughs> and number 9,823 is great. You know what I'm saying? Like God numbers the hairs on your head. God names the stars in the sky. He's great. He's great. There is nothing God can't do. He can do anything and he can do everything. So remind yourself when you find yourself facing something challenging or going through a difficult season that God is not just good, God is great. So great that God can turn bad into good. This might be one of the greatest attributes of God, that he takes bad and makes it good. Romans 8, 28 said, God works all things to good for those who love him are called according to his purposes. Abraham 
is there. And he's like, listen, I, the one thing I want, I can't have anymore. It's not that you didn't give it to me. I'm no longer, I'm too old. My wife's too old. Our time is gone. The one thing I wanted, the one thing I needed, which an heir back in those days was everything. Uh, to carry on the name, to carry on the family line. This was everything to Abraham. The one thing I, I, I want and need, I can't have. And then look how great God is. He's like, what? You can't have it. Count them if you can. More than you can see is what I have for you. Because God is great. And he takes bad and he makes it good. I feel like we're in Sunday school and this is just like a lesson as adults. We need to just drill into our minds. God makes bad good. Okay, children? I'm saying it to myself, not you, me. Okay. God makes bad good. Life can do you bad and people can do you bad. Life can do you bad and this one hurts. And people can do you bad. When life does bad, well, what I do is I remind myself that God is good and that he can work it out on my behalf. I remember, okay, God is good, so I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to trust him that he will work it out. Why? Because he's good. So lost the job, um, got, got the diagnosis. What are you going to do? God's good. God's good. He's going to be with me through it. He's going to help me in it. Could heal me of it. He's good. No matter what, he's going to get me through it. He's good. God is good. But when people do me bad, I remind myself that God is great. Um, Because that enables me to relinquish my right to retaliate. Because God is great, I can relinquish my right to retaliate when you (laughs) do bad to me. Because it's real. People do bad. Guilty. We do bad. Sometimes we don't mean to, and sometimes we totally mean to. We just do bad. And the best thing that I have learned, 45 years, still young, still get it, is that knowing that God is great and is the great fixer of all things and the great vindicator of all things and the most just being that has ever existed, then I can, I can relinquish my right to retaliate against you for doing bad to me. Because it is so easy to do bad when you do bad. You do bad to me? What did you say to me? Oh, watch what I say to you. Oh, what did you do behind my back? Watch what I do behind your back. You told them what? Guess what I'm going to We. I mean, that's, that's natural. You punch me, I punch you right back. That's easy. It's easy to react. That's our, go- that's our, that's our go-to is reaction. Bad happens to me, I'm going to do bad right back. But it takes, it takes knowing that God is great to respond and do good when faced with bad. And that speaks volumes. People will look and say, like, wait a second, they did what to you and you, you responded how? What kind, of, what kind of witchery is this? Oh no, this is God being great. I have to go out and fight for myself. Battle belongs to the Lord. I have to defend my name. God will uphold his righteous cause. I could just trust that God is great. Just just because you have the right doesn't make it right. I mean, I get it. They, they did they did what they did. They hurt you. 
and it's natural, even justified. They should be hurt back. Like they, sh- they should. They have it coming, man. They've had it coming for a while. They, that, that is not okay. But God is great. And I can relinquish my right to hurt you for hurting me because he's great. And he somehow takes bad and he makes it good. Jen and I, this, this season marks a few years ago during the season that we, people, hurt us. Whether they meant to or not, they did. You've been there. They hurt us bad. Man, it hurt. God, it hurt so bad. I, I'm about to tear up just thinking about the hurt. And I remember during that season, Jen said to me, and she's so great, she goes, I want to do the wrong thing so bad. You know, and I'm like, right? Like, and we could have. I remember thinking, like, here's what I would do wrong, and I would do this wrong, and it would feel so good to just do wrong. And somehow, I don't know, because God is great. We're like, okay, like, God, you just, I guess you'll just, I guess you'll have to take care of it. And he does. And I can tell you, and this has happened so many times in my life that it's, now it doesn't even seem rare, that he takes what was meant for evil and he works it for good. And it becomes so good, not just good, good, but like the best good that you're like, I can imagine not having what, and it came out of bad. Are you experiencing something hard right now? Is it difficult? God is good. And God is great. Our last point, and I end with this. Only two points today. Let me remind you that the hurt is temporary. It's temporary. Please believe that. Please know that. Abram had no way of, of, of realizing all that God was going to give him because the hurt in the moment was so real. He, he was caught up in the fact that he, he couldn't have what he needed most. But we know the hurt, the hurt didn't last for Abram. He's the father of faith. That's what scripture calls him. We're descendants of Abraham, all of us, according to God, according to the biblical narrative. His hurt didn't last, and neither were yours. It won't last. And with God, hope will arise. Out of hurt, out of the ashes, beauty will come. It will. I know you can't. I know you can't see that right now because you're in it. I know you can't feel that right now because it hurts so bad. But as sure as the sun will rise tomorrow morning, <laughs> God will turn it to hope. Who, who do you think tells the sun to rise anyways? <laughs> You're like, well, the sun will come up tomorrow. Who do you think makes sure that the sun will come up? That, that God will turn hurt back into hope. Can we read Psalms 30 one more time? It says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me because we don't have to pretend with God. I cried out and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. That's great. Who can raise from the dead? A great God. And you have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. He's so good. I deserve to go down there. A lot of times I deserve, but he, he keeps me because he's good. I sing praise to the Lord, you saints. 
give thanks at the remembrance of his name. For a moment, his, for his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for life. The hurt is temporary. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. One of my favorite examples of this in the scripture is a man named Lazarus. He was a friend of Jesus, and he died. And he had been dead for three days when Jesus showed up. And when Jesus gets there, Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, they're weeping because they've lost their brother. And Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. Jesus knew Mary and Martha. And the Bible says that Jesus, he showed up there and he comforted them because he's good. Jesus is present in our pain. Why? Because it's his pastoral responsibility. Well, he's on staff at that church and they're supposed to show up at the hospital. No, 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 because he cares and he's good. Well, I mean, he gets a paycheck, and so that's what he does. So it's one, it's one of the jobs of a priest. No, no, he cares. It mattered to them, and they matter to him. So he showed up because God is good. Jesus shows up to the funeral because he's, he's good. He cares, and people matter. And then he raises Lazarus from the dead, goes to the tomb. Lazarus has been dead for three days, and he calls out. And Lazarus comes out of the tomb. It's, and God does that because Jesus does that because Jesus is, he is great. He can raise dead things back to life. That's what he does. When everyone had said it was over, when everyone had, had called it, I mean, it's not just dead, but dead for three days. Jesus does the impossible because he's great. And it wasn't difficult for Jesus. Jesus didn't have to muster all of his superpower to raise Lazarus from the dead. In fact, if you read in John chapter 11, where we find this passage, when, they, when he gets word that Lazarus is sick, he turns to his disciples and says, yeah, it won't end in death. And then when he gets word again that Lazarus has died, he says, he's just asleep. And then when he gets there, right before he raises him from the dead, Jesus says this out loud in John chapter 11. He says, God, I know that you'll do what I ask. I know that you always hear me, but I say it out loud now so that they could believe in you. Jesus had no doubt that this was going to happen. Why? Because he's great. God doesn't have an insecure moment. God doesn't skip or have a senior moment or sometimes he doesn't doubt. God is great. Jesus says, I know that you hear me. I'm just saying it so everyone else could hear and they could believe in you too. But my favorite part in all of Lazarus' story is that the hurt was temporary. Just a few days. It, it was hurtful, by the way. I love that Jesus doesn't pretend that it doesn't hurt. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Shortest verse in all of scripture. Why would Jesus weep if he knew moments from now, literal moments from now, he's going to raise the man from the dead? Jesus weeps because he refuses to pretend like everything's okay even when it's not in the moment. Right there in the moment. Pain is temporary, but pain is pain. And God is with you when you're hurting. He's not up there being like, come on, it'll be good, you'll be all right, shake it off. That's not God. In fact, he, there's one verse dedicated to those two words in all of the Holy Scripture. Jesus wept. He wept. 
He cried with Mary and he cried with Martha because pain is real and sunglasses and Advil isn't always the cure. Sometimes it's way more than that. And Jesus weeps knowing, knowing that there will be good and greatness that will come out of this. But he's in the moment with us. Jesus did not weep out of despair. He, he weeped in acknowledgement of hurt. Please know this, whatever you're going through, whatever hurt you're feeling, Jesus acknowledges it. So many times as a man, meet with a bunch of men in this room, we we don't even want to acknowledge our pain because we feel it's weak. We don't acknowledge it. Okay, I'm not crying during the movie, you're crying. Like we don't want to acknowledge it. Jesus acknowledges. He's not despairing. He's not weeping because he's depressed and utterly defeated. No, no, no. He he knows in moments, oh yeah, sorrow will last for the night, but joy joy is on its way. They're going to celebrate. I always wonder what it was like that night at the table with Lazarus. Like, what was it like to die, man? So they're eating pita and drinking wine or whatever it is, grape juice, whatever they do, you know, and just enjoying life and laughing and marveling at the goodness and the greatness of God when just moments before the pain was so real and the hurt was so profound. Yeah. With God, the hurt turns to hope. And that's my prayer for us. As we go into this season, holidays, for some of us, it's the greatest. For others of us, it's a reminder of really, really hard times. Please remind yourself then that God is good, that God is great, and the hurt, although real, is temporary. God, right now, I pray that wherever we find ourselves in this moment, that we would turn our eyes to you. Thank you, God that you see us, help us to see you. Would you open our eyes? Would you change our perspective? Lord, sometimes I just feel like complaining to you. But I thank you that I can. I thank you that you're a safe place. Remind me of your goodness. Remind me of your sovereignty. And Lord, remind us again that the hurt that we feel in life and in society and personally and as a community, the hurt, it's temporary. Thank you for turning our hurt into hope. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for bringing life out of death and good out of bad and beauty out of ashes. Help us to see it. With every eye closed, give you opportunity in this moment. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it would be my honor to pray with you. And the Bible simply says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's it. It's as simple as it is. In a few moments, I'm going to count to three. And if you would say this morning in church, today is the day that I'm going to put my faith in God, I would be honored to pray with you. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand when I count to three, and that's it. It's between you and God. Eyes are closed. I'm not going to call you down to the front. It's personal. But it's an outward It's an outward expression of an inward commitment that you're making today that says, God, I trust you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for your goodness. I don't understand you. I don't know that I ever will fully but today I put my faith in you. I'd be honored to pray with you if that's you. So if you're in here, I get to three. Would you raise your hand if you, if you want to say that prayer? One, two, three, wherever you are. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I say you just put it up and put it right back down. I got you. God, right now, we come to you. Lord, we commit in this moment to follow you. We give you our heart. We give you our lives. Jesus, thank you for loving us even when we didn't love you. Thank you for caring when we did not care. 
thank you for forgiving us even though we're guilty. Thank you for your unending grace and mercy. From this day forward, Lord, we put our trust in you. We fix our eyes on you. We choose you. Thank you for saving us. In Jesus' name, amen.